Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Nancy Murdoch, and you are listening to Nancy at Noon. If you are a forward-thinking man or woman who wants to make a difference in your life and the lives of others, then this show is for you. My topics are about personal expression for living a healthy life filled with purpose, value, and belonging. You can find interesting and informative blog posts on my website, nancymurdoch.com, and you can listen to or revisit the shows I've done in the past. They are all located in the archive on my website. My shows include lots of personal stories you can relate to, regardless of your situation in life. Today, I'm going to tell you one of my stories that uh, took place back when I was way more gullible, naive, and far more trusting than I am today. The story is called Secret Agent Andy and the Liftable Curse. I am a creator and you are a creator too. Our lives are the creations utilizing the art of thoughts, words, images, intentions, and actions. We are the artists of our own destiny. It requires faith and belief in self to live the life of a true artist. By true artist, I am not just referring to painters, writers, or dancers. I mean someone who lives her sole purpose no matter what. The true artist brings forth into the world divine gifts that inspire joy in others. It's that simple. She does this by living closely connected to her true essence. An artist's gifts are to bring healing, comfort, beauty, and connection to others. My life is my ultimate form of my creative expression, as is yours. Each experience is an individual work of art that, when gathered together as a collection of stories, forms the masterpiece that represents my life. As artists, we must live the highs and lows of love, of mystery, drama, and adventure. It's an emotionally mixed up roller coaster ride where we make huge sacrifices in order to follow our hearts on the road to self discovery and self mastery. Only by experiencing suffering and ecstasy. Can any artist, musician, dancer, or writer touch those emotions in you and offer you a way out and a way in? Sometimes it takes a journey outside ourselves to find that what we were looking for was never really lost. It was just hidden beneath the layers of protection we wear in an effort to ward off the pain and disappointment of being hurt again. Storytelling is a way for human beings to take that journey and express our deepest desires and fears our greatest loves, and our intense suffering. The best stories are ones that come from our pain and take us on a journey through winding paths, treacherous cliffs, and dark secrets. Musicians tell their stories through song. Dancers show us through body movement. Painters tell their stories through images and writers through words. True artists create the treasure map into the soul. So I'm going to take you on a little soul journey and tell you a story. It's a true story about a woman who waited, wondered, hoped, and prayed that her heavenly, hunky, perfect soulmate would mysteriously apparate into her life and fill her hungry void with love, excitement, opportunities, possibilities, then carry her off to an ever-after real-life land of bliss. Tropical, preferably. 
but instead she kept attracting different men wearing the same issues who used her, abused her, and left her feeling dejected and in despair of ever fulfilling her deepest heartfelt desires. Sound like anyone you know? Maybe you? Well, that woman was me. I wanted love so badly, but I wouldn't even admit that to myself. I wanted the whole fairy tale package. But I didn't go out looking for it because of the denial thing I had going on. That didn't matter because law of attraction brings us a perfect match to whatever vibes we're putting out there. I was vibrating loneliness, despair, depression, low self-esteem, and a whole bunch of others. And maybe even a certain amount of neediness. Eventually, I realized there was no fairy godmother standing by with her magic wand to turn my ogres into princes or abracadabra love to instantaneously land on my doorstep. And I was tired of being a butterfly banging up against the glass door, knowing I could fly but unable to see the invisible barriers I was erecting. I kept showing up in relationships, disappearing my own needs and desires. So the men in my life kept mirroring that right back at me in the way they treated me. I had lots of deep wounds that were, they were showing themselves in ways I didn't even recognize. So I bought all the what's wrong with me and how do I fix me books, participated in every healing workshop I could afford. Then I got back into the trenches with the demons of my shadow self and the men and swore no man was ever going to hurt me again. I had no idea the part I played in hurting myself. It wasn't always a fun journey, and it certainly wasn't easy because the only route worth traveling was the one towards greater love, and that meant forgiving the men who hurt me the worst, and I was not ready to make nice. I was a stay-home mom in a marriage where hunting, fishing, and my husband's siblings always ranked higher than me and my girls. I spent so much of my married life waiting. It was a passive-aggressive behavior pattern of his. I think it made him feel wanted and important when people had to wait for him. He'd tell me he'd be home at a certain time, then something would come up, and he said he'd be another 30 minutes. Well, 30 minutes turned into 90 minutes, which turned into four hours later, and my evening was wasted. He kept moving the goalposts by setting up expectations for me that he never followed through on. You know, it's one thing if he had started out saying he would be home at midnight, and quite another to keep me on the edge waiting all night long. He kept pushing the boundaries of the relationship because I didn't know my boundaries so I had no consequences. Night after night of waiting made me feel very lonely. You know, I've always loved being alone and was never prone to loneliness, but there was just something about waiting that made me feel lonely. It was like continually being promised something and always being let down. My heart and my spirit were hungry, and I wanted some adventure. So I became a member of a travel companion site. It wasn't a dating site. It was a site for people who liked to travel and didn't want to go alone. Members could post the details of their upcoming trips and find travel companions. I used to love reading about the exotic and enticing adventures people posted. I traveled vicariously through that site. I remember Harry from Amsterdam. He planned a river trip in a homemade canoe all the way to the Aegean Sea. That was pretty cool all by itself, but Harry used the same ancient maps that the Norsemen used. Another person had a huge sailboat and was looking for seven or eight companions to sail the Mediterranean coast. They would stop in historical coastal towns of France and Italy and Spain. Ah, I love Europe. I love the romance of old castles and the cobblestone streets. I love shopping in the open-air market for my daily fruits and breads. But, you know, sometimes journeys can be treacherous. 
especially if you walk them with both eyes closed like I did. Don't get me wrong, sight unseen can be an ultra kinky mental turn on, especially for a stay-at-home mom living in a small town. So when Andy invited me to go to Florida a week before Christmas, how could I say no? Andy found my profile on that travel companion site, but his profile was distinctly void of details. The mystery. I had no idea what he looked like and never spoke with him on the phone. The adventure. He said he lived somewhere in New York City and worked at a secret government job nobody knew existed, which he was forbidden to discuss. The intrigue. Wow, mystery, adventure, and intrigue all rolled up in a one-week sun-basking, beach-walking trip to paradise with a gentle-spirited James Bond who made me laugh on chat. What more did I need to know? Fear and hesitation never saw the light of day as I packed my bags and charged forth with a live-life-with-no-regrets attitude. Okay, I'll admit I was utterly desperate to escape another deadly small-town Canadian winter before I got buried under an avalanche of SAD and hopeless despair. And I wanted a little excitement. With a man! So sue me! Besides, my secret agent, Ether Andy, seemed like the perfectly safe, scrawny, string-bean, nerdy computer type who didn't know a thing about women. He said, and I quote, I just want a friendly platonic companion to share the oceanfront two-bedroom condo I rented, end quote. My psychic advisors are always telling me I have amazing intuitive powers, and this seemed like a great opportunity to prove my skills when we met in person. Sure enough, I was 100% accurate, except for the perfectly safe, scrawny, string-bean, nerdy computer part. Yeah, he told me he spent his spare time working out in the gym, but I thought it was to build self-esteem, not six feet of solid abs and pec muscles. And why wouldn't I be willing to overlook his lack of manners, tact, and all-round prehistoric personality? Let's face facts. It's not like there's any hard, fast, legally binding, how-to-be-a-man rulebook stating you must use a fork and knife when ten fingers, a slurp, and a burp are all you really need when partaking of a meal in a public restaurant with a woman. I don't specifically remember my Flintstone days, but I highly doubt fine dining etiquette required Fred to sit around waiting for Wilma to finish eating before stomping out of the caves to kill more woolly mammoths or go bowling. So why shouldn't Neanderthal Andy leave me stranded in Lychee Noodle King Palace while he scoured pawn shops in search of contraband for his secret government spy job? There were red flags flying everywhere I looked. But this Bambi in the forest meets wise woman thing I had going on kind of threw me for a loop when the wise woman took off Christmas shopping with the elves, leaving poor Bambi all alone in a wood full of hunters. Needless to say, Bambi was not quite prepared for the 250 pounds of uncooked mm. naked hunter meat that barged into my bedroom at midnight, grunting, Oh, I'm horny! Then heaved his Cro-Magnon bulk on top of my angelic and peacefully sleeping form, started yanking down my panties and groping under my camisole. It's not that I'm opposed to a little romp under the sheets, I wooingly explained to my prehistoric midnight invader while rolling the steroid-injected testosterone craze hulk off my body and maintaining my chastity. We have a week together, and I'd like to know you more than five minutes before mm. I go there and do that. The wild woman non-therapist part of me agrees that me, Tarzan, you, Jane, can make an exciting night of rock and rollicking good He-Man fun, but it fell far too short of the Prince Charming this modern name princess was hoping and dreaming about. In that moment, I realized Prince Charming didn't exist, and I was running out of time. 
so I decided to create my dream man. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, that's right. Don't worry. I saw the movie Frankenstein. I knew what not to do. See, here's the thing. The noble Dr. Victor built his monster from haphazardly collected body parts, whereas I was going to select only the finest qualities from the most highly qualified specimens. I mean, volunteers. Our dear Frankie's heart was in the right place, but the woe-begotten scientist wasn't operating with a full deck, and there's a chance he may have even been dealing with a few personal problems at the time. Medieval medicine, what can I say? Well, not quite medieval. But the point is that everyone was given a different deck of cards to play the game of reality. And the trick is to see how to cash in on our aces. In my version of Parker Brothers, create a man, not a monster, I was merely choosing to stack the deck. In my favor, of course. Yep, I still had my own full deck of 52 well in hand. That is, uh, I was pretty sure I did. I ducked when the guys in white suits came by counting cards because how could I be absolutely sure they passed their math exams? I mean, really, they were wearing white after Labor Day. That's got to mean something. No, I wasn't delirious or seriously demented beyond all measure of institutionalized clinical help. Don't believe the rumors floating around town. I was simply scripting my life for how I wanted it to play out. Unfortunately, due to the misalignment of planets or some unknown energy that went askew, Secret Agent Andy did not understand the rules of my new Create a Man, Not a Monster game. When I said I didn't want to touch his body, have sex with him, or perform any type of oral interplay, I meant it. Sometimes people say yes when they mean no and no when they mean yes. It's not our job to figure out the topsy-turvy language code of their emotional games. Everyone just needs to stop playing them. Yes means yes. No means no. It's that simple. Not everyone is messed up when it comes to knowing what they want and don't want. Me, for instance. When I said no, I meant no. End of discussion. Integrity rule number one. Never ask a person to act against his or her self-interest as he or she understands it. There's good in everything and everyone if you're open to it. My week before Christmas Florida extravaganza wasn't a total disaster. If it hadn't been for my secret agent Neanderthal Andy, I wouldn't have so many more horribly gone wrong stories to tell you about me and men. Yep, that's right. After I rolled him off me and stroked his ego a little bit, he said I'd make a great sex therapist. Imagine that. And he must have really meant it because when he asked me to guess his penis size, I guessed wrong, which probably set him back at least 10 years worth of counseling sessions someone with sex therapist abilities would have instantly made a mad dash to the other side of the planet to avoid the shrapnel fallout that came bundled with that question. But not me. Nope. I fell right into the trap and guessed nine inches. What was I supposed to say? It was 2 a.m. I'd been traveling all day, just barely escaped being raped and contracting all sorts of psychological and physical diseases that accompany that particular aggressive act of violence. And to top it off, I was too tired to whip out the handy-dandy peckermeter I keep stashed into my PJ pocket for all spontaneous uh, penis-measuring occasions that might arise on a platonic vacation. I thought my generous nine inches was a safe and positive answer. If he was smaller, he'd feel manlier, knowing I thought he was bigger. If he was bigger, he could fluff his fine feathers and strut his big stuff like all proud cocks do. But no, my guess had the total opposite effect on poor Andy. 
size inadequacy compiled with the already existing attempted rape rejection, and still he thought I'd be good at counseling men on their sexual dysfunctions. So why didn't I leave? I couldn't. You'd think having a purse full of karma coins would have been a good thing, because don't they always say, do good on earth and you'll reap the rewards in heaven? Well, planes that fly 30,000 feet above the ground were the closest thing to heaven I could think of. But no airline was willing to take my karma coins instead of money for a ticket home. Suffice it to say, two days into the vacation, Andy packed his bags, said he was going back to New York, returned his keys to the front desk. I saw him do it with my own eyes. And he sped off in his ominous black convertible. There was no logical reason for me to burst into gut-wrenching tears that lasted for hours or to shut all the blinds, chain lock, and bolt the door and sequester myself in that upper floor condo with horrific fear that even a dim reading light would give my presence away. But that's what I did. Where did this terror come from? I'm a give-me-a-book-in-a-deserted-island-and-forget-I-exist type of girl. This left-field reaction totally threw me for a loop. A paid-in-full beachfront condo all to myself was a dream come true, even in the torrential rainstorm that suddenly hit. I didn't know what to do, so I called Carolyn, my favorite psychic. She warned me to get on the first available flight out of there because secret agent Andy never left. He was coming back that night, and he was angry. And back he came. It was well past midnight before I had finally fallen into a deep sleep. The sudden ringing of a telephone startled me awake, but the phone beside my bed hadn't rung. I was being warned of impending danger through my dream. So when the real phone rang a few minutes later and it wouldn't stop, I was in a very aroused state of fear. I yanked out all the phone cords in the condo and hid deeper under the blankets, waiting. Suddenly I had taken on the unwanted role of female victim in a psychological thriller movie. <gasps> my breath caught in my throat when I heard the familiar honk of the remote car lock as the black convertible pulled into parking space 307 at Costa del Sol. The heavy footsteps mounted the concrete staircase outside my room. The key turned in the latch, and the door opened. What more can I say? My experience with secret agent Neanderthal Andy was traumatically damaging. He never touched me again, but it took a major toll on my emotional and physical health and required premium healing energy expenditure for a very long time. Eventually, I put it behind me. But not before I kind of, sort of, might have cast an itsy-bitsy-teetsy-weensy little baby curse on him. Okay, I admit I did wrong. I didn't want you thinking I'm a wicked witch when I'm supposed to be this wonderful healing goddess of love and all that good stuff. Yes, even back then, I knew revenge doesn't exactly come from the heart. But he deserved it. Hey, I never claimed to be fully evolved. Why would I need to suffer through more Earth's life experiences if I've already reached the ultra-supreme level of maximum divinity? Besides, we all bring a little carryover each time we incarnate. Baggage is part of the travel experience, whether it's from California to Michigan or 1643 to 1956. And so what if I was a witch in a past life or two hundred? No. That shouldn't automatically condemn me to a wretched existence of incarceration serving penance in the Bastille today, now should it? I was probably a prostitute and saint too, but you don't see me taking up residence at the Vatican, do you? Let's just say I acquired a few skills in the uh, magical department in former lives, 
And what's the sense in wasting so many years of practice, right? It all gets mixed into the brew at one point or another, giving our personalities a deliciously distinct flavor. So what if I tapped into a few of my darker energies on occasion? It's not like I still resort to voodoo or evil madness. At least not very often. That you'd need to worry about. Unless, of course, you're one of the men who made me cry. Besides, I must not have been all that proficient at incantations and such, because I got burnt at the stake anyway, and Andy was probably instrumental in at least one of my deaths, if not several. Okay, so I'm speculating, but you can't prove me wrong, can you? Don't worry, I didn't sick potato peeler maniacs after him with acid body rub or anything that drastic. I merely sent out the suggestion that from then until eternity, whenever he gets an erection, he'll think of the way he treated me and instantly go limp. See, nothing dangerous or painful. In fact, I probably should bottle and sell it as the safest contraception available on the market today. Gypsy black market, but who cares if it gets the job done? And just like in the fairy tales, I made the curse liftable through the performance of Andy's own good deeds. See, Aren't you proud of me for being so very Galinda-like? All he had to do was pay the $585 flight money he tricked me out of, and poof, spell undone. Anyway, karmic backlash is going to seek its just rewards with or without my assistance. So what's the harm in adding a teeny little curse to spice things up in that big old stewing pot of life? Though I am amazed at the carryover power of the spell, because millions of men are erectile dysfunction these days, and I didn't curse them all. Hey, maybe millions of women are tired of suffering from the actions of guys who make decisions with the neediness of their lower anatomy rather than the love in their hearts. Now I get to choose a good quality about Andy to play my create a man, not a monster game. I choose inspiration. Andy inspired me to use my natural abilities to help men with their sexual dysfunctions. I kind of tweaked that idea a bit and helped them pursue the higher ideals they were passionate about. When they were focused on using their abilities to make someone else's life better, in turn it helped them become more loving, understanding, and compassionate in relationship with others and themselves. The trickle-down effect made them better lovers. Voila! And yes, I eventually lifted the curse. So there you have it. Secret Agent Andy and the Curse. Telling your stories can be very healing for you and the person who's done you wrong. It frees up the painful negative emotions that keep you connected to the memory of those past experiences. And it helps you open your heart to receive more love. Storytelling can also be a lot of fun. Plus, it's a way to preserve your culture, heritage, and history for family. I created an online course to teach you everything you need to know to create and record your audio stories and memoirs for your grandkids. I even teach you how to add cool sound effects and music. Visit my webpage for more details about the e-course, nancymurdoch.com. And if you have daughters, friends, or family who could benefit from the story I told today, please share it with them. The recording is on the podcast page of my website, nancymurdoch.com. 